Welcome to the Rural Revitalization Network podcast with your hosts, Pastor Rob Beckett and Dr. Desmond Barrett, the founders of the Rural Revitalization Network. The network is committed to encouraging pastors, churches, and communities throughout rural America to engage, equip, and empower through local resources to build God's church. Welcome to episode 16 of the Rural Revitalization Network podcast with your hosts, Pastor Rob Beckett and myself, Dr. Desmond Barrett. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about modeling a healthy rural church. Yeah, uh, pastors and leaders flock to seminars and, and go and listen to speakers uh, that often come from large, larger churches or even mega churches about principles and practices to creating bigger and better churches. But, and many big churches offer training materials, you know, these seminars and, and pastor conferences uh, taught by their staff on how to be effective in ministry and pastors and many of whom that come from small and rural churches flock to them hoping to discover the latest, greatest way of how to grow their church bigger and better and more successful. Yet there is evidence that indicates that the healthiest and the most effective churches are not the megachurches, but the small rural churches in our communities. So let us look and see how rural churches can be. Well, let's break down these uh, into five, what I'm going to call bite-sized chunks of looking at the modeling of a healthy rural church. The first one that we're going to talk about is the model. What is the model of church health? Well, the model of church health, small churches can be the model of uh, growing spiritually, uh, of having meaningful worship, uh, participating in the congregation, having more of a sense of belonging, sharing their faith, and, and empowering and encouraging new leadership. Small rural churches can emphasize and, and zero in, if you might say, in on their congregants because they are smaller and they can uh, go in and, and zero in on uh, maybe a young person to, to help uh, disciple them into leadership. So these small churches and growing spiritually, they can spend more time uh, with their folks to uh, not to be just shallow Christians uh, that are only an inch deep, but they can be Christians that are deep and mature. And so these small churches have those opportunities and, and have the advantages over larger churches. So when we open up the uh, New Testament, we look at the book of Acts, and what they did as leaders in the local church is that they would uh, meet together as a larger group in context, then they would meet in smaller groups, and then they would meet one-on-one. Today, we call that discipleship. And the, the question that we have to be asking ourselves is, who are we discipling? Who's discipling us who are we discipling, and who is the disciple discipling? And, you know, Dr. Jerry Porter, General Superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene, now Emeritus, he talked a lot about that in those final years of his uh, general superintendency. He talked about who are we discipling. If we're going to have a healthy church, then we have to have healthy people. Yeah. We have to have healthy systems that are built up. And it starts with one person uh, mentoring one person who mentors one person who mentors one person, and then we see a radical change in the life of the local church. Yeah, and, and this is one of those areas 
that the small church can say they have an, an advantage over the bigger churches. I know that a lot of times it seems like uh, we would think in our mindset that bigger is has the advantage. But in this, the small churches, if we utilize and if we see it and recognize it, uh, that we as small churches can be have the advantage to uh, grow uh, more mature Christians and and to feed into their lives and and help to have uh, meaning meaningful worship that that we can be more intimate in our worship time and uh, these things here are just can be so helpful for us. Well, that that takes us to our our second point is the model of. It, it, the modeling a healthy rural church is the model of moral and theological truth. Oh, absolutely. Uh, many large churches today, and I, I'm, I'm not one. We don't want to beat up on large churches because up. we have large churches in the Church That's of the Nazarene. That's exactly what I was getting ready to say is, is I don't want to beat up on large churches. But now I'm talking as a whole, though. Um, uh, many large churches um, will have a tendency to be more of drawers of attendance uh, of people, that they have a broader appeal of attracting people to congregations uh, and churches to the extent uh, that sometimes they undermine uh, the theological foundations uh, of the historical church. Uh, just the opposite can be said about rural churches. Rural churches still are more likely to maintain a, a strong foundation of both theology and biblical morality. The rural church uh, reminds us that moral, moral uh, uh, morality and theology are not only important, but are absolute central to our lives. Uh, that that we stand on the Bible and the Word of God, and and that we we don't uh, uh, that we have this firm foundation. Some may say that pastors that uh, talk about and in small churches they talk about it so often. And, but, and some would say uh, that they're old-fashioned, that they're, they're out of date, and, and they're legalistic. But, uh, but not to do so is dangerous, can be taken uh, to chance. We, if we are not talking about what we stand, what we believe, uh, uh, the, the small church is a perfect example of that. And it's because they do have fewer people, and they can drill down in that and drill into those those core foundations. Well, we really have to evaluate what is our articles of faith? Who yeah. are we as the Church of the Nazarene, and do we believe in them? Yeah. Now, we'll look different in different contexts. So we will have large churches that will still be able to drill down, and they'll do discipleship groups and community groups and life groups in different ways. But truly, if we, we take the bite out of the nugget here as we're looking at uh, the small rural church, we realize that there is an accountability because there are less people around, yeah. meaning you cannot just pop into a church and be a hidden figure. You will become a name, and you will be known instantly if you are a guest coming into a local church that is smaller in context. There is no place to hide. As a pastor, when you preach the Word of God, you cannot hide behind a pulpit committee or a board of elders. You are there with your people. If you're a church of 20, you are just a small percentage of, of uh, 
of, of what the church makeup is. And so therefore, you have to stand on moral and theological truth. It is a model that, again, is found in the book of Acts, where they are held to their feet to the fire, the men and women of God, where the truth of God has to win out, and sometimes you have to lay down your life. And in the local context of a small ruled church, you have to be willing to fight against what the progressive church is doing and get back to the conservative word of God. Yeah, and I, I think we have to take one note of caution here that there can it can turn to an extreme to once we start uh, uh, implementing and, and, and trying to take God's word and then input our own feelings, our own thoughts, our own beliefs in something, especially, and we just went through an election cycle, uh, uh, and start putting our own feelings and beliefs and, and the way we vote and political sides of things, we have to be careful that we're not stepping out of, uh, of God's step here in that, and we can become Bible thumpers uh, and not uh, theological and moral uh, foundations that, that we need to be. We just have to be careful with that. So we're le- when we're looking at modeling a healthy ruled church, we need to model, uh, 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 it's a model of community. Yeah, you'd already just spoken to this just a, a moment ago. In many churches, people attend a service where they can uh, sneak in, sit down, go through the service, and leave without anybody even knowing that they were there at all. Uh, they worship with a group of strangers and then go home without any meaningful connection with the other congregants. That is where the rural church uh, differs, is that community is central in their being. That you walk in the door, that you are uh, 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 greeted and that you are welcomed and you're part of the community. There's a place for everybody and everybody has a place. It is being real with everyone, loving and caring for one another genuinely without any type of hypocrisy that um, that we can come and, and it's not a it's a meaningful thing that how are you doing today uh, and how you've been doing this week and it's not just a platitude that we we say but it's a meaningful thing uh, and we mean it because uh, we're so small that we care and watch out for each other um, Loving and caring for one another, that's, that's what we do. Worshiping in small congregations have a greater sense of belonging more than uh, participants can in a larger congregation, and it's at no fault at the larger congregation. It is just a matter of facts, and it's a matter of numbers. The larger you're going to get, the there's no way that you can interact with every single person in there. In the smaller context... Uh, of 30, 40, 50, even 100 people, you have more of an ability to make contact with with just about each and every one that's there. And so when we're looking at uh, the model of community, we also have to go back a step and realize that we cannot, when we talked about the moral, the model of moral and theological truth, we cannot become the religious zealots. Yeah. The same thing in the model of community. We cannot become a country club right. where it's only us. We yeah, have absolutely. to find balance. And so here are hearts today. We're not beating up on the big church. We would love to grow as the yeah. local church. We'd love to have more people. But we also 
also have to stay true to the Word of God. We also have to become a community of believers that invite and receive guests Mm -hmm. in a Christ-like way. We have a great opportunity in rural America to be the community center that the community needs. We are usually placed in a neighborhood or on a main street where people need us. And we can open up our doors and provide a birthday party room. We can open up our doors and say, okay, you're having a, 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 a family gathering. Well, we'll allow you to have our fellowship hall for free. Yeah. We're not going to charge you. Yeah. We want you to know that we are a community of believers that care for you, that believe in you, and that want you to be a part of us. The fourth thing is, is that the healthy rural church is the model of being involved. Yeah. In the, in the small rural setting, everyone need, needs to be involved to make things happen and work effectively. Uh, rural churches don't have the luxury of having paid staff that develops, organizes, and provides the leadership uh, for the various programs and departments in the church. As a result, people not only become more involved, but also help lead the church. And so uh, involvement, there again, uh, it, it's the advantage of a small church that you have the advantage that more people, more percentage of the people, let's put it that way, a larger percentage of the people uh, can be involved in the church and uh, it builds, it reinforces the community. It reinforces the community aspect of it. And so, so it's a, it's a wonderful. And we have to be careful that we don't burn out our people because it is a smaller group and they are getting so involved. And then we also have to be careful that it be, doesn't become about them, my program, my kitchen, my area. We, we, so there is a constant balance. Hopefully you're hearing that in this podcast today, that there is always this push and pull. There is either no right or wrong. It is literally trying to figure out what is your local context text and how do you evaluate that? When we talk about the model of being involved, it is also being engaged in the local community. Mm -hmm. How can you become involved? Again, you have limited resources, limited people. It may mean that you're not going out and doing everything in the community, but it is connecting. I think of the Saltville Church of the Nazarene in the mountains of uh, Virginia, a small rural church. Uh, they they didn't have a large congregation, less than 20 people. They didn't have a lot of resources. The pastor was bivocational. Everyone was working hard to try to even keep the church doors open. But they had a local elementary school They that they said, we will teach Christian education if you will bring them over. And so once a week, they would come down from the elementary school in that small town, and they would open up their fellowship hall, and some ladies of the church would provide little snacks, and they would teach them a Christian education. Now, that may not be able to happen in your context, but for this local context, this is where they were able to get involved with the community as a local church. That's modeling healthy rural church. The fifth thing that we want to talk to you today, and the final point is, is that the modeling a healthy rural church is modeling of multi-generations. Yeah. One of the most beneficial things of a, of a small rural church is the ability to integrate all the age levels throughout the church. Um, and, you know, grandmas can interact with young children and teenagers can learn from the elders. Um, there is more opportunity for multi-generational interaction in a small church, far more greater than in the larger churches. And, and, and again, I'm not trying to um, 
bash anybody, but there is some advantage and there is some uh, wonderful things about that children learn to set in worship services, not, not because they don't want to have a children's department or a children's church during some time, but it's because they, they, they're too small to have that. And, but then that's when the older folks can uh, team up with the kids and, and interact with them and, and the multi-generation uh, and, and kids learn better about being around with others. And, um, and so uh, it is a good thing to uh, intermesh that. Now, there's times that's like I love, uh, but this is times that you can have the old, I call it the old-fashioned Christmas place where you can have your kids uh, but uh, doing a Christmas play and they can read their Bible verses and dress up in their little suits and and do a play and do and do all those things. But it, it meshes them together. And uh, small churches have an advantage that they can do that, not because they chose to, because a lot of times they have to. And so why not, if you're going to have to do that, make the best of it and, and make it an advantage instead of a disadvantage? Um, in my church, uh, there was a period at one time where uh, there wasn't a particular age group for a child. And so, um, you know, they didn't have the people to work it. So this, this five-year-old was playing with the toys and the, and the, uh, we had a preschool at the time and he played with the toys of the preschool while they had Sunday school class. And, um, that's the kind of things that we can't let happen. We have to intermingle um, and and let them learn from each other. Because I, I believe that the older generation can also learn from the younger generation. And especially, I'm telling you, teens have a lot to offer. Yes, they may have some wild ideas and they may you know, do a lot of things, but they have some good ideas too. Uh, to interact into the church if we allow them. And that's what multi-generational congregations can can happen and let happen. And so if you don't have a baby crying in your service, if you don't have little feet running around, if you don't have screaming children occasionally, I want to encourage you to begin to pray. Pray that God would send you that family with young people. Begin to prepare your church uh, for the, your guests to come. Make sure that the room is cleaned out, that toys are prepared, that the, the space is in working order. My friends, as we look at modeling a healthy rural church, we've talked today about five issues or five areas. The model of church health, we've talked about the model of moral and theological truth, the mo- the model of community, the model of being involved, and the model of multi-generational uh, generations. Hopefully this has been helpful to you, and as always, our friends, we want to thank you for joining us today on the Rural Revitalization Network podcast. If you are a pastor, a staff person, and are in need of coaching and support, let me encourage you to join the network by going over to our Facebook page at Rural Revitalization Network, or go to our website at rural-revitalization.network. Until next week, friends, from Pastor Rob and myself, remember, you are doing better than you realize. Have a great week in ministry.